Hi, I'm Chris Reid, Managing Director of Neo Metals. We're project developers developing projects in green battery materials using our own technologies. Chris, good to see you. Welcome to London. Oh Thank my goodness, much, it's been so long, been waiting for this moment for a couple of years yeah. that you have too. So what are you doing over here? Uh, so we've been, you know, an awareness tour. We've been locked right. up in the Hermit Kingdom there for uh, about two years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just getting back to uh, to London, we listed obviously in late February. Mm -hmm. So just going around, touching the flesh um, and, and telling the story, which has been great. Brilliant. And you saw, what are you meeting mostly? Is it obviously bankers, finance, financial institutions? Yeah. Sort of so it's just reconnecting with uh, brokers, yeah. you know, former instos that we know, investment bankers. Yeah. Okay, and the so it's not it's a non-deal roadshow. We're not we're not raising money at the moment. No, we're not raising money. We've got 120 million in cash and investments, no debt, so we've got no, you know, pressing need to to raise money. Okay, so your when we met, it was just an, it was kind of like the beginning of an idea that there would be this big green economy, and that you could fit yourself somewhere in there. And, and it was it was kind of complicated because it was a nascent, it's a fairly relatively nascent industry at that time. Yeah. Now. What's the mood of the nation? Was it welcome with open doors or are you having oh, to push look, hard to get in? You know, absolutely. I think, you know, we've all seen a trend to more, you know, ESG related sustainable investments. Mm. And, you know, what was rather lonely while all of our competitors were bashing away upstream mining was our quiet move into recycling at the other end of the supply curve. Mm. And, um, yeah, uh, I'm pleased to say, uh, very, very pleased with the reception that we've had. Okay. So, it's a portfolio approach that you've gone with. You've got a number of projects on the go, yeah, and you're kind of phasing them. So, um, for people new to the story, perhaps you know haven't had the pleasure of watching all of the interviews. Yeah. Where, what, what are we looking at first? What, what's important uh, to you right now? Yeah. Well, look, you know what's front and center at the moment is the lithium battery recycling process that we're commercialising with one of Germany's largest plant builders, SMS. Mm -hmm. We're actually over, you know, uh, Monday week, we'll be opening our first commercial operation at Hilkenbach mm -hmm. uh, in Germany. Germany is the heartland of the European uh, battery making sphere. Uh, so, you know, that's, that, that's probably the biggest part and underwriting the biggest part of our value. And it's, you know, serendipitous that uh, last Friday night, the, uh, the good folk at Mercedes daylighted our relationship and, um, you know, revealed to the world that we've been picked as a technology partner for their recycling ambitions. Well, that's a great, that's a huge move. I mean, we, we, we spoke briefly to you um, earlier um, in the week. We, everyone got quite excited by that. It's a real yeah. endorsement. They don't move quickly. How long did those conversations take? Yeah, look, you know, well over a year. Wow. You know, and the, the diligence and, you know, we, we trialled their batteries through our, our demonstration trials. We've mm. now just finished our third demonstration trial and, you know, we're, we're obviously ramping up the production capacity of the yeah. shredder up to the 10 tonne uh, limit. That's been commissioned and ready. We're just waiting our final permit. And, uh, yeah, the, they are very, very diligent and, you know, rightly so they are, Probably the best third-party endorsement you could get from an OEM. Oh yeah, um, the, it it shows. Um, well, actually, here's the one. what problem are you solving for them? I mean, because I, yeah. I I suspect it's a little bit to do with uh, clearly recycling is a big part of you know um, getting a hold of you know s s supply chains in the future. Yeah. But how much 
is this EU taxonomy affecting rules and regulations around the, the, the numbers around the recycling? Yeah, look, I think for the recycling in terms of contributing meaningful amounts to the supply of new batteries, that happens next decade, mm. not now. But certainly um, they have obligations, you know, the, the EU ministers have now agreed what the battery regs are going to look like and, mm. you know, we hope they have a swift path through the EU parliament. That'll start the regs in 2025. So it will become law for incumbent guys to be more like us. Right. We're already there. Um, and then from an investor or stakeholder point of view, you've got the drive to decarbonise the cars, the battery materials, everything mm. in the supply chain from an ESG point of view. You know, if they're in sustainability indexes, they've got to reach 85% recycling rates, you know, which, right. are, which are actually higher than the EU battery rigs. Okay, so recycling batteries. So what, are you, what are the kind of main, main elements that you're recovering? Yeah, so look, I mean, you know, those batteries are essentially a very, very high pure ore. They've got battery grade amounts and like mm. the largest products that we expect are nickel, by value, nickel, cobalt. Those two would make about 80% of your basket of goods. Wow. Lithium, uh, then some copper. Wow. Um, That's yeah, interesting. So, in terms of value, those, well, those two are. Yeah, I mean, you've got a technology there and there's zero market risk, assuming we hit our target specs, yeah. right, which I'm not concerned about, but you're able to hedge out uh, and then people say, well, why would you do that? Well, if you're down the bottom end of the cost curve, mm. and I mean the absolute bottom end of the cost curve, it's not a bad strategy. So what's the relationship look like? You're going to recover it. They're going to get to reuse it. Do they, which bit do they pay you for? How does the, how's the, the joint venture yeah, work? Yeah, so look, you know, we have flexible business models. So we've mm. got three business models. Whilst there's not enough capacity in terms of there's not enough recycling capacity, mm. we have the good fortune of being able to get paid to do it. Okay. We don't assume that long run. In fact, to get end of life volume, so you know where our feedstocks come from, you've either got sort of end of life consumer electronics, bigger volumes of battery production scrap. As mm. we get more gigafactories, there will be more scrap. That's just a fact of life. So what was the percentage? Um, How much is scrap in yeah. So look, production? you know, we assume conservatively 10%. Okay. Right. But these guys, the cell makers, have never made cells in that scale before, right? So it took Tesla, uh, sorry, it took Panasonic five years to get the scrap rates under 20% in the gigafactory, right? right? Okay. So it is, it is significant. So there are large volumes there, but the end of life, which is the big hockey stick at the end, yeah, right. Well, um, that typically was seven. Well, eight I years. think that, that. Well, yeah, it can be out to ten. But so what we're expecting is mid-decade, that last decade's production right. starts to come back, and you start to get exponential growth in the volume. So right. to get those end of life, we will, in the smaller scale, share the economics. So tell me how that works with Mercedes, right? So there's a Mercedes, which on the, we'll stick with the OEM component. I know there's lots of other bits of uh, outliers, but with the with the car battery, it's a big old unit, right? Yeah. And I'm sure people will be refining the, the technology to extend life or make them smaller or whatever. But right now as it stands, Mercedes will be collecting the end-of-life batteries themselves. That's not going to be outsourced to anywhere else, i.e. your relationship and your feedstock will be with them. Yeah, so look, the, the actual transaction that we've done, that we plan to finalise mm. with them, um, has us supplying them a plant 
So a 10-ton integrated plant can do yep. you know, a couple of thousand right. tons of cells. It's not enough for obviously all of the stuff that they do, but they need to understand it backwards. Got like it. They want to know. They've got an obligation to recycle. They, they, they want to know every piece and every bit of economics in the supply chain. Mm-hmm. So we're supplying them the plant. We're getting paid for that. Then what we're entering into will be a collaboration for five years where we are doing R&D on their new cells, how to recycle their new cells, new chemistry, new formats. And so we will have staff embedded in Mercedes-Benz Kuppenheim. Right. But I'm trying to get to the the scale component. This this is the first one, right? Yeah. So where, where, there's lots of ways you can scale this and there's lots of ways you can monetize this. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. And so the third part, so what we've done here is given them a royalty-free license okay. for the 10 ton a day plant, mm-hmm. right? For any other volumes, we've got to agree commercial terms. Now, Mercedes, they produce about two and a half million cars and so they're transitioning through to becoming electric. If, if you have two and a half million cars and your battery packs 400 kilos per car, then you need a million tonnes. A million mm. tonnes is sort of 3,000, 3,300 tonnes a day. So, you know, we have our business built around transitioning from disposal fees as principal to joint ventures with partners, and we showed the Stelco one previously. Mm-hmm. People go and have a look at that. Yeah, And then for the really large volumes to achieve the total or the lowest cost of recycling would be for them to buy plants off us and we give them a license to operate and they pay royalties. And so the royalty for the Stelco transition, which is in place now, is a 10% gross revenue royalty. If we exercise our option to buy into the special purpose vehicle with Stelco, it drops to zero, but we're 50% equity holders. So what we're trying to do is, or what we've designed the business to do is to make less money over time, but to grow the volumes. And so hence why we've got the 10 ton a day shredding plant Mm. at Hilkenbach, the 10 ton a day integrated plant for Mercedes, a 50 ton integrated plant at Hilkenbach, a 50 ton integrated plant potentially with Stelco, and then we've got earlier stage studies, so pre-feasibility studies, on looking at a 500 tonne a day plant. Now that's to account for the 90% of the batteries mm. that aren't scrap in yeah. the manufacture that get into Which cars will... that come back eight to 10 years later. Got it, okay, so you are engineering it so that your intellectual property, you, you've created your own flow sheet, right? Hydrometallurgical mm-hmm. process, um, you are, sharing that with Mercedes, right? There's no fear that they will re-engineer and do their own version here. This is a collaborative process. And as long as the economics work for both sides, you would expect to carry on that relationship. I'm trying to say, is there any sort of danger? What are the the things there where you can fall over further down the line or you kind of find yourself in a position where the margins are getting eroded and eroded as the feedstock takes more of the revenue or the partner decides actually we're we're the valuable bit. Yeah, so for us, we realise that, you know, if we have a look at Europe 
in 2025, you're going to need 335,000 tonnes of capacity. Mm. The total installed capacity in Europe today would be less than 70,000 tonnes. Who is going to build it? So we've got competitors, and it's great. Yep. You know, co-opetition. You, you need that to make you better. But who is partnered with an engineering company that is very, very happy to do whatever you tell me? Do you want a disposal service? Great. Do you want to do a joint venture? Great. Do, do you want to do a plant building? Yeah. We can transition from one to the other. Just give us your plan, high and low case scenario over a 20 year period, and we can tell you what you're right. going to need and when. It's, it's interesting because so, the, the market is very fragmented at the moment. There's lots of small players, yeah. with, you know, small minded as well as you know, small in, in scale and opportunity. And it's just how do you, and you seem to have found a method of scaling it by partnering with the SMSs of yeah. this world and, and the Mercedes of this world. It, does that limit you in any way? Obviously, you, 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 you're looking well, the, in the US as well, and you, you talked a little I bit mean, about that. But the, the, the practical limit would be how many can we build at right. any one point in time yeah. at Hilkenbach, which is their manufacturing headquarters with 4,500 people, right? And so that's a quality problem to have. It's not bad. Right, and so we're not precluded from using third-party constructors, yeah. but SMS in the shareholders agreement have the first right to build all plants. Now, if we've got opportunities to deploy plants and they're unable to build them, but they're a 50% shareholder, I'm not sure that they're gonna cut off their nose to spite their face. Right, that's the, that's the first cab off the rank. In, t- in terms of um, time, what's the time? Le- I was involved reasonably early with you in terms of conversations yeah. about how you put your flow sheets together and how do you, you know, get the technology working and testing and the right partners and how do we get, you know, you've always been able to fund because of the money you made at Matt Marion, but um, is how much time is left until that thing is up and running, it's producing cash, something that people, shareholders understand. Yeah. And can actually see the, the relative yeah. economics. Yeah, sure. I mean, we're expecting to start operations next quarter. Okay. You know, subject. All we've got to do is get the the BIMSH permit, which yep. is a which is a local German permit. It'll enable us to operate at ten tons a day. Okay. Um, so you know we've said to the market we expect to start operations uh, next quarter. We're going to go on. You know I'm not sure if you break champagne on plants in Germany. We'll do whatever. Crack a beer on it. I don't mind. And uh, and then ramp that up so there'll be visibility. Having a product for the market through our engineering cost studies and feasibilities, we have a product yeah. ready for the market, the 50-ton plants, the SMS. Right. I mean, this is an opportunity for us to deploy lots of small plants out into the market. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking over a five, sure, sure. ten-year period, and then scale them up by a factor of 10 to get the end of life. But yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is how, how to just in terms of helping people visualize this from more less of a kind of paper exercise of what could be through to right, we've got the 10 ton. Yeah. We've got a 50 ton design yep. ready to go. Let's nothing talks better than money. So, sure. money so I mean, you know, if you have a look at we did the pre feasibility study last year, we'll have the updated numbers out in June quarter. Uh, so, you know, what you've got there is a 50 ton integrated plant about 165 million US. Roughly okay. split up 20% in the, op- in the sorry, 20% of the CapEx is in the front end, yeah. 80% is in the back end. The operating costs are less than $2,000 a ton. 10% in the front end, 90% in the back end. 
in the overall sort of sense of an NPV, about two thirds in the front end, one third in the back okay, end. So. But you won't get material to put in the front end unless you've got a back yeah. end solve to yeah. give them back their materials yeah. and carbon. So therefore, you know, how much do you make depends on what you feed into it. If I'm feeding laptop batteries like your Apple, sorry please, to drop their please name. Don't. But those batteries are yeah. worth just under $20,000 a tonne, right? right? Off less than a 2,000 OPEX. But in a car, they don't have as much cobalt. They've got more nickel, mm-hmm. right? So if we don't assume the last week's nickel price, um, you right. know, we're, we're looking yeah. at NMC 811. It's the equivalent of having a tonne of ore that's 15% nickel, 15% copper, 2% cobalt, 2% lithium. I mean, the, the value that we recover out of NMC 811 per ton is about 8,000 US. Right. So there is very, very good margin. Okay. The largest product by value is nickel, 60%. So if you've got a ton of the batteries, you take all the costs, take the cobalt credit off, divide it by your nickel tons, you're the mm. new lowest cost nickel producer in the world. Okay. And the ore body is growing, so you just need to build more plant capacity, more little plants, more big plants. Who do you see? an experienced German plant builder who wants to build more plants and bigger plants because they make more money. If they do it with us, we showed it they wanted to make more annuity style income because building plants can be a bit lumpy, right? So now we've got, they're concentrated on delivering the plants Mm -hmm. and then we move back into the R&D to make sure that our technology is super up to date, solid state electrolytes, LFP, direct recycling. Right. You know, looking over the horizon. Do the different OEMs have slightly different um, demands in the sense that the battery makeup? I know it's got the same components in there, but it's a very technical sure. thing. Oh, look, you've got, you know, prismatic pouch cylindrical, so roughly three types, mm-hmm. all sorts of mixtures, a choice of anodes. Right. You know, that will change over time. We understand that. So for when we design the process, we basically said to the guys, think of this as going next to your house, right? It's going into Europe. It has to be Mickey Mouse. Yeah. So no knocks into the atmosphere. Any liquids go through an RO plant. And because we use ammonia instead of sodium as a pH adjuster, the biggest product out of that plant is fertilizer, an ammonium sulfate solution. For that, we got nominated for the German National Sustainability Awards. Mm-hmm. We made it into the finals in December and we're upset not to win. Well, where does that byproduct go or where could it go? It's going to German farmers. Straight up, you, you went, there's, okay, just wanting, there's a few other industries that might want it as well, I suppose. Right. Interesting, okay. Um, look, that's helped me with the, with, the, with the numbers and trying to understand what, what this could, sure. could be. Um, and obviously it's meaningfully advanced. And, and then some of those questions really to say, well, what are the barriers to entry for other people looking to kind of come in and, you know, in terms of a defense for you, these yeah. relationships being significantly advanced, first mover advantage yeah. uh, is quite useful. Let's talk about a little bit of vanadium. The market's gone slightly nuts. Uh, I think that people are understanding the VRFB um, component to this. Um, we've got some of the big, um, we'll call them European, broadly European uh, players, um, may may be affected by the recent events uh, of what's what's been happening in Russia or Ukraine. Um, we've got companies like Largo trying to 
move away from mining, kind of like you did, but downstream into being, you know, chemical uh, producers, um, setting up ETFs, is having to get a little bit creative. It always needed to with vanadium. Yeah. You guys have got a huge vanadium recovery remediation business. I mean, again, for people who need this, maybe just quickly yeah. give us the 30 seconds on that. Yeah, sure. So, you know, we're earning in with a partner into uh, a business that will be underpinned by a supply contract to buy 2 million tonnes from steelmaker SSAB of this slag. Mm -hmm. um, so we developed a very green friendly process. Mm -hmm. um, so what we do is essentially digest it in a very super strong um, soda water, right? So water, sodium carbonate, we capture CO2 from local emissions, sparge that in, put the vanadium into solution, mm -hmm. render the tailings product inert, chemically sequester that carbon. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we produce the highest purity vanadium. Um, so we ran a 24-day uh, pilot on the three dumps from SSAB, um, sort of 75% recovery. But we had to do that because the tailings product had to be inert. So you couldn't use acids. Um, the pure product purity, 99.8%, perfect for lithium, vanadium, mm. cathodes and anodes. Perfect for the vanadium redox flow battery electrolytes. Right. Perfect for titanium vanadium alloys. I don't think I'm not minded to put it into steel, but it's obviously a very liquid market mm -hmm. if you ever get caught. So, yeah, ninety percent of the market at the moment. But um, I, I guess given given the amount of vanadium and the lowest quartile, possibly lowest decile costs uh, that you're hoping to yeah. deliver, is are you looking at ways, kind of like a Largo, they've, they've, they've basically put together an ETF, it'll run as a separate um, entity, yeah. but they've had to get creative because I think of the way the market was a couple of years ago or even a year ago, the erratic uh, nature of the prices in the last five years, yeah. you've, you've had to be creative. Do you think with VRFB batteries, one get, coming a bit more to prominence, Yeah. again, still a little bit of a nascent industry in terms of what does the final technology look like? Are you minded to put together a partnership with anyone else uh, in terms of the way that you sell or rent vanadium into the marketplace? How, how are you looking at not, not just the economics as they stand today? I think they were certainly future? looking at that when the prices were half of what they are now. Mm. And so, you know, what you'll find is there'll be a, you know, a lithium price and a vanadium price because that's really mm. all you can do for the storage. Mm. Uh, that they go into balance. And the, obviously the lithium prices mm -hmm. uh, uh, have gone into Elon's ludicrous mode. Um, so for us, we actually recover um, because we s use solvent extraction in the vanadium. So we mm -hmm. get a vanadium sulfate product. That's what they use in the electrolytes. Mm -hmm. So we have to take that out and make that a pentoxide, an oxide form from a sulfate form to sell it as V205. If we're going to sell it as an electrolyte material, mm -hmm. then I won't go to the expense of evaporating and crystallizing the product. Right. We can just sell it as a vanadium electrolyte because that's how pure it's coming out. So that's one uh, alternative. And you know, one of the other things that's not recognized is that uh, uh, Professor Maria, Maria, she's got a, a, a Long Greek name. I have to apologise, Maria, for not being able to pronounce it. 
She, she invented it. Right, okay. Right, and, and still lives in, in Sydney. Um, so, you know, we, you know, Australians are familiar with the VFRBs yep. and really it just gets down to having a, a pure solution in the right form. So you need to have, you know, a V, uh, you need to have a 2-3 solution, the valences and a 4-5. Right, but I'm just imagining the conversations you've had this week with bankers who are just trying to understand the, we've got energy transition issues, we've got energy storage issues, we've got, we've kind of got this kind of green en energy conversation going on at the, at yeah. the moment. And people are a little bit confused by what's going on there, but they are yeah. understanding the RFP. So with the bankers, I, I know you're more, more advanced with the recycling and it's probably e in a funny way more, more easily understood, but with the VRFB, was that part of the conversation that they got excited about or still just in discovery mode? Look, some have, and I think they have a look at the prices going up, mm. the establishment of ETFs, the potential, you know, removal of a large wedge of global production. Um, and they're enthused, but there's not a lot of ways to play it. And it has been a volatile right. commodity. So I think yeah. if the prices are higher for longer, that 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 is going to help. Well, let me come back to the, the, the question which I, which, I, which I did on the recycling, which is economics. It's a little bit f further behind, project number two of the taxi number two. Well, it's, the actually, rank. it's actually not that far away. I mean, we're yeah. looking at investment decisions for the battery recycling September quarter. We're making, uh, you know, we're scheduled to consider the investment decision for this uh, end of December. So right. we'll have the feasibility study finished around the same time, but we've right. given ourselves a six month window then to make an FID, which will trigger us buying. 700,000 tonnes of the slag, which we expect would be enough to have a reserve right. uh, to underpin the ability to procure finance. Right, and again, the scale component there, that that's, doesn't seem to be an issue here. There's mountains of this stuff. Well, you like, know, look, able to get we, I mean, there's, there's more than 2 million tonnes with SSAB stockpiles now, yeah. and they're, they're net adding to it. Yeah. And then, We've also done an MOU with H2 Green Steel, who are okay. looking to build a very large green steel using the Swedish yeah. products. Yeah. Uh, and that's for 4 million tonnes. So we've got a growth horizon there that should enable us, if executing all of them, to become you know one of the world's largest producer. It'll certainly be the highest volume of highest purity material. And because we can capture the CO2 in the process and yep. then sequester it in the tails, our carbon footprint will be practically nil. What does that do in terms of the competition? Because if you're one of the lowest decile producers yeah. into, a, a, not many players, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you could go and throw it into the stainless steel production process um, or, or not, hopefully. Um, these other these other producers are going to get a little bit nervous, aren't they? Well, what could it do to price? Would it would it would it destroy? Would damage price? And, and kind of in a meaningful way, do you care if you're well? Look, eighty five percent of the use is from steel. Yeah, you know? and then in certain usages, steel you've got that cap from the ferro-niobium substitutability, right. right? If you've got a vanadium redox flow battery, you can only put vanadium in it. The lithium vanadium cathodes and anodes have the highest specific energy according to the periodic table. And it's a bit hard to reinvent that. The titanium vanadium alloys for aerospace work, mm. right? So um, in those applications, we find it 
non-substitutable. And for us, we adopt the same method and as we do discipline for going through all the stage gates for our projects. And then we, when we try to target customers, we try to target customers that get the highest value in use of our products, right? So that going through the cycles, they could handle a bit of pain every now and then if they have to, because they just need the product. Okay, so we've, those are, those are two kind of core projects. We've talked yeah. about Widgie and the spin out there with the nickel. Yeah. Obviously nickel went nuts last week. That'd be kind of interesting, because I think when we talked, nickel was maybe 12,000? So certainly when we when we bought the asset, it was about 12,500 and yeah. we made the decision to demerge it, yeah. return it back to the shareholders at about 18. It was yeah. about 2021 20, by the time we've done it. But you didn't say to me at the time, um, it needs to be a $25,000 nickel market for that thing to be, you know, oh, to, returns, to, right? to fly for sure. Do you remember those days? 25000 oh, yeah. <laughs> I do. It was only three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> nuts. Um, and obviously that, that, that's Widgie and then obviously Barambi on the titanium. I, I suspect that's sort of um, back of the queue. So I guess the... Well, we've got, you know, we're approaching 40 people and we've got different teams on each project. Mm. They're sort of staggered, but I mean, these two um, and Eli, they're all in Europe. Yeah. They're, they're all now. There is a legacy asset, but it's not generating carbon yet. Right. But I think, you know, the, the thematic, when you look at lithium battery recycling or the vanadium, mm. it is recycling, just up, upcycling, taking something and making a, a higher value product out of it. So I think we've got, you know, a beautiful union where we've got battery materials mm. in a green sustainable technology and you're providing an environmental service. Yeah. And... And infrastructure. So in the energy transition, if we're going to have batteries, we must be able to handle them responsibly at end of life. So recycling capacity is a responsibility of the industry in general. So if you're making minerals, you're selling minerals because there is a need, a market. Mm. This is a service that we are providing, the VRP, as principle given, but in the in the lithium battery, you are providing a disposal service, a disposal service that you co-own with your customer, mm -hmm. or you are providing a service to build plants and license technologies. Okay. So that is that's the union. So rather than becoming vertically integrated materials maker, mm. we've just crossed a couple of thematics. There's just that there's fantastic tailwinds. Yeah, no, there, there really is. Recycling as a service. There we go. And um, share price hasn't done too bad this year. I think there's a sort of dwelling realization for not just, not yeah. just institutions, but the retail as to what it is that you are, what you set out to try um, to be. You've got you've got to deliver. So there's no point in um, looking for more projects. You've got enough in the portfolio. Yeah. Um, what can we expect this year over and above the projects that we've talked about from you? You, you come here and listed in the UK. Yes, yeah. great. Uh, does, is that helping conversations in Europe? Well, look, they still like us. Yeah, they do. Yeah, very they much do. so. Oh. I wouldn't worry about that. So, yeah, look, we're minded to get the green mark from the London Stock Exchange mm -hmm. by making, you know, more than 50% of our income out of sort of green, sustainable businesses. And we think we're going to, you know, I would have thought if we can't pass it, it's pretty hard. Um, so to open ourselves up to the lower... Mm. Cost pools of equity and debt from from ESG related funds, 
Um, we think it's highly investable. We're just so excited about the fact that you can organically grow. So you've got the technologies and, you know, Hilkenbach, Mercedes, your own plant, Stelco. There's, you know, these, we're not having to go into M&A with, and, and squeak out synergies. It's, right? it's, it's, it's interesting, actually, because there's a lot of money slushing around. A lot of, lot of grants, a lot of funds, a lot of cheap cheap money slushing around for projects like yours. Um, that's got to be comforting for a start, um, certainly for your shareholders. Absolutely. Look, we're, we're, you know, we're very, very pleased with the trip so far. Right. He said with a small smile. Right. Thank you very much. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, we will hopefully hear from you after you've done your road trip around Europe and uh, good luck with that. Thank you very much.